Mic check, mic check. Where the f is my check? You now tuned in to do rags and boat shoes. Let me go ahead and get this turned down. What's going on, everybody? It's your boy A Double. You're now tuned in to episode 154 of Do Rags and Boat Shoes. Uh, sorry for the wait. I ain't dropped an episode in like what? Going on three weeks or something like that. Uh just been busy as hell. And uh, just working on things and you know, getting spring ready. Um, man, a lot of work, a lot of spring cleaning is going on my way on my days off man i'm uprooting this snake grass shit that's what happened to me last tuesday and uh trying to uproot something without a motorized cultivator uh that is some hard ass work i tell you what uh last tuesday i was doing that and i went and bought a hoe just a regular ass hoe and um you know i'm hoeing and i'm getting through you know loosening up the soil and digging up the roots and and it's just like i felt like a magician you know when they start pulling out them damn uh them handkerchiefs you know that's all tied together them scarves a different color that's what it felt like pulling up all them damn roots and i don't think i got them all either so i'm about to plant some grass there and then um i have a crack in my goddamn pool in the shallow end so most of the water in my pool is gone so i gotta fill this crack so basically i'm gonna use there's some like cement uh putty type shit you can use to fill the crack but i have a concrete pool like the bottom of my pool is concrete and then it's lined on the sides just not the bottom which is odd you know you get a liner just because of that um but anyways so i got a concrete bottom but the edges are lined and so you know, I got to fill this crack and I found this putty stuff on Amazon and it has great reviews, but the bottom of my pool is white and the liner is blue on the sides. And so this putty, it basically dries black. So once I seal up the crack with this putty, I'm going to have to paint the whole bottom of my pool. So I'm going to have to drain out the deep end and that's going to take forever. That might take like, you know, maybe six, seven hours. So I got to do that and then scrub the pool you know just because i'm already down there and it's already dried out so i'm gonna have to do that so this is just like moving in the house all over again because when i first when we first bought the house a guy knocked off you know in negotiations we got him to knock off like was a little bit over 10 grand because of the pool um he didn't take care of it he just had a trash bag cover over it um, we didn't know if any of the equipment worked and all this other shit. And he just, he was just like, yep, he was just cool. I think because the house was on the market for so long and it's in the hood. Nobody really was, you know, trying to jump on it. But, uh, you know, that was our gain right there. And so when we opened the pool that first year, so it'd be two years ago, man, it was tough. We took the cover off and there was actual, there was ducks living in the goddamn pool. 
we took out a couple of eggs i felt bad and them ducks came back a couple days you know for the next couple days and then they was just like oh shit people are actually living here because uh the guy we bought the house from uh he works uh for union pacific he works for the railroad so he was always gone and he was always on the road for months at a time um and so yeah so it was just standing water on top of the trash bag cover and then uh beneath it it just it smelled like a lake you know how when it's real hot and you go to the lake and it just smells kind of like a boiled egg a little bit and some grass and stuff like that and it was, oh it was tough and so we thinking that we can just you know put all these chemicals in here and just you know kill everything which we did but what we didn't know uh it was probably about so i filled up two 32 gallon trash cans full of mud so i just drained it because it wasn't working because uh we thought the pump system was broken it was just like nah let's just buy a sub pump and get all this water up out of there because you could start to see to the bottom but it was just pitch black so we drained everything out of there and it was just nothing but just mud at the bottom so i don't know how long you know this man has not used the pool and shit like that and that was some of the toughest work i've ever done in my life and i used to you know dig ditches as a teen i used to dig ditches and uh help people get their water turned back on illegally when i was when i was like 13 14 i used to go around with this uh this white dude he looked like goddamn casey jones from uh teenage mutant ninja turtles but we used to go around and dig these trenches and get down to the water box and he had to connect at the um at the water place at the uh, water and gas place and uh this was years ago so this is shit 20 years ago so i was 13 14 so yeah 20 years ago i was doing this shit so back in like 99 98 99 and uh yeah so we be digging these trenches get down to the water box use the water key unlock it shit like that and then he would make a call on his little flip phone and uh boom uh, people would get their shit turned back on and uh they used to you know these people water bills be like you know 400 to 600 dollars so they just paid us 150 bucks you know um and get that shit turned right back on so um yeah that was tough work but man just scooping out the mud and then the bottom of the pool is white so you scooping out mud putting it in trash cans and i'm just dumping it all over the yard and shit like that and then I had to clean the bottom of the pool so I had a push broom and some bleach and a pressure washer and it's literally like cleaning a big ass bathtub and I, I was outside just I did I removed the mud one night the next day I probably was outside probably about 10 hours scrubbing all through that pool and I was just like yo this is some hard ass work but once I got that pool filled up with water that was another high-ass bill to fill up that big-ass pool. That was almost 500 bucks for that month, just for water alone, not including the gas price. It was just like, it was almost four, It was almost 500 bucks. And, um, yeah, it was worth it because everything, everything worked. You know, there wasn't no blockage in the pipe, so we didn't have to, you know, get a, you know, a excavator and dig through and try to unclog the piping and shit like that. So that was cool, the pump worked. But uh, now with this crack, it just feels like I'm about to start all over. But it ain't a bunch of mud at the bottom of my pool or anything like that. It's just draining it, you know, scrubbing out the little, uh, the little bit of specks of dirt and then sealing up the crack and then painting it. So, yeah, that'll happen probably next week. Probably next Tuesday I'll do that. So y'all might not have a show next week. 
uh, or I might, you know, try to record another show this weekend. But y'all know this weekend, goddamn Avengers Endgame come out, so I might see that like four times this weekend. <laughs> might even take a day off of, from work to go see it. But um, yeah, so that's just what's been going on with me. Just a lot of stuff and um you know a lot of stuff going on with the family hopefully everybody had a great easter um i had to work but i appreciate um you know both sides of the family my side and my 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 wife's side you know uh fixing me plates and you know uh texting me and calling me and uh, my people stopped by the day before easter and checked on me and the wife and you know hung out for a little bit so that was dope so i didn't feel too bad about working on easter so that's always a good feeling so i hope the family y'all out there had a good easter i mean you know i don't believe in the whole you know rock star white jesus coming from behind a rock in a cave but you know it's still a dope holiday just to get together with folks and officially kick off spring and have some good food and just kind of kick back and just have a good time with your peoples you know what i'm saying but um anyways let's go ahead and get started on that good old summer damn jam screen so first things first it looks like uh the aclu is uh, of nebraska is working with local law enforcement yeah so they're working with uh i'm sorry about that working with uh local law enforcement uh agencies to lower the number of uh black folks being pulled over by said law enforcement agencies so last year in 2018 in the state of nebraska blacks were twice as likely to be stopped compared to whites uh which is fascinating you know to me uh due to how few black uh folks are in the state of nebraska here you know we roughly all together we make up about four and a half percent of the population but we're twice as likely to get pulled over you know so i'm gonna say good luck with your endeavors aclu so um i don't know what exactly they plan on doing as far as uh working with these enforcement agencies besides finger wagging and shaming them and you know having them go to go through a training or whatnot um but anyways i'm gonna put my people up on game let me put y'all up on some game as far as dealing with law enforcement or how to you know at least prevent it a little bit some of these traffic stops so the first of the month that first week so the first seven days uh that sunday through saturday that monday through sunday however you want to do your seven days a week uh law enforcement is out tough trying to catch folks slipping so they doing speed traps um you know they tailgating folks um they're just out heavy uh heavy police presence um you know the sheriff is out state patrol even for my commercial truck drivers like myself the department of uh, transportation is out there so dot is out there trying to catch you slipping and uh the second and third week is always laid back you know you can get away with uh speeding a little bit you know going a little bit above the speed limit and just kind of rolling around just doing your thing but that last week of the month is just like the first first week of the month but it's just more progressive more aggressive not progressive because they need to hit their monthly quota numbers right so you will see everyone from state troopers to the sheriffs on the interstate with their radar radar guns out in the local police department on busy street setting speed traps so you have to be careful out there black omaha and you know um i'm giving these tips to black omaha but what's wild is um uh on my route i work out in the vista and miller on my route along with uh the north side of the city so i'm pretty much all over from you know the eastern the furthest eastern point of uh, omaha all the way out to sarpy county 
And what's wild is, um, you know, they be on white folks next too out in Sarpy County. Like if you look at, there's a strip of a South 120th Street between West Center Road and um, uh, L Street. So there's a strip there and it goes from 40 to 35 real quick. So a lot of times people are still going 40 in that 35 and there's always a cop in, um, in a, it's either a Malibu or one of them new Impalas that has the letters blacked out and he barely has any lights and he just be pulling people over left and right because I delivered to um, a couple of stores in that area and I see him pulling over people that last week of the month so tough like you know I'll get done delivering at one of my stops and I'll get on the road to get to another one and he'll have two more because sometimes he'll have two cars pulled over at the same time and them white folks be cussing them smooth the fuck out but he's hitting them numbers and uh you know it's it's just wild and you see it on the interstate too uh in Sarpy County um once you uh hit that Giles exit uh, right before that Giles exit this is how they do it they do a slick so when you're heading westbound, there'll be a sheriff just sitting in his car off in the cut on the uh, where the emergency lane is. But he's like perpendicular to the westbound lane. So he's just sitting there in the cut, blacked out, no lights, nothing. He's just deep in the cut. But then when you're heading eastbound, there's a cop, a motorcycle cop. He'd be sitting on that. Um, what is that? Q Street Bridge. So once you heading from Sarpy County to Douglas County, you're heading eastbound or you're heading north. Uh, you're heading north. I'm sorry. Heading north on 80. So east 80. When it turns into north, there is a uh, motorcycle cop sitting there with a radar gun on the bridge. So he can hit you and then he'll radio to a cop that's just posted in the cut off of that ILQ exit. And they'll just pull you over right then and there. So uh, they're very aggressive that first first week of the month. They're aggressive. But that last week of the month, super aggressive, super aggressive. So you have to just pay attention to that and uh, just be safe out there. And it's um, same thing for the commercial drivers out there. Uh, the sheriff, uh, the DOT, um, what else? Sheriff, the DOT and who else? Um, yeah, so DOT and the sheriff will pull you over. Uh, pretty tough and they know uh, they can find you for you know anything you know you ain't gotta you know one of your brake lights went out or some shit like that and you know boom it's a ticket right there you overweight boom that's a heavy ticket right there so they and uh, what sucks about being a commercial driver you know they don't need probable cause to pull you over they can just pull your ass over just like boom there and then they hit that vehicle inspection so you know just make sure you uh, staying on point when you're doing your uh, your pre-trip uh you know walking through making sure all your lights work and everything so you don't get hit with that ticket because a lot of times you know your your job will pay for it but it's still a ding on your license and it could uh fuck with your endorsement you know your commercial endorsement so just be safe out there all right so moving on a uh, shout out to new jersey uh there's a new jersey high school you know that stays open friday nights to keep kids off the streets and it's called the lights on program at uh west side high in newark you know it's open to 11 p.m on fridays to keep kids out of trouble uh principal uh akbar cook is the brother's name implemented the program and this is the same principal that installed washers and dryers for his students you know so the kids in this um lights on program they can hoop play video games eat you know spit some bars in the music studio 
and um, you know, just salute to that volunteer staff and uh, Principal Cook. You know, back in the day, um, you know, I lived in a heavily crip area. Just, you know, if you had some red shoestrings on, you was gonna get your ass whooped. I mean, you couldn't have a speck of red. And I grew up, you know, I was a kid during the Bulls era, you know, in the 90s. And here I am, and I was a huge Bulls fan and a huge David Robinson fan. That's how I became a Spurs fan. And um, it was tough. It was tough being a Bulls fan and living near the Ave, you know, uh, living near them 40s. Oh, man, it was tough. It was tough. But, um, you know, back in the day, I used to... um, you know, go to lock-ins at the Boys and Girls Club, and, um, you know, I always had a blast, always, it was so much fun, you know, they would have, um, you know, three-point contests, be movies at the end of the night, and it'd be a lock-in, so, um, basically, you, you there from, like, 4 p.m., or, like, four it'd be it was starting anywhere between four and six and you there until seven the next day and you know they got food for you and you just hanging out with your friends and watching movies and you sleep in the bleachers or in the or in the lounge area or something like that most people folks bring a sleeping bag but most of us didn't so we just balled up our t-shirt and just slept on that you know what i'm saying in the bleachers and shut and shit like that so you know you would uh be hooping playing pool hollering at girls and uh you know there's a lot of pretty ladies there so you know you try to you know be fresh and stuff like that and act like you too cool to hoop but then somebody bust your ass and then all bets are off you putting some creases in your jays you know your shirt and your shorts gonna be sweaty you like fuck it you know cuz just bust my ass i'm gonna have to show them what this work do you know <laughs> but it did you know those lock-ins did keep me off the streets and um doing something positive you know, so I do know uh, uh, the impact of a program like that firsthand, and we need to see more, you know, more of that from the communities. We really do. So here in Omaha, I know during the summer they have breakfast and lunch programs, you know, for kids up to 18, you know, which is dope uh, because a lot of times, uh, which is sad, a lot of kids, you know, they only eat, um, you know, during the school year. You know what I'm saying? Uh, during the school year, that's pretty much that might be the only meals that they have is, you know, that breakfast and that lunch. You know what I'm saying? Just do the, you know, uh, you know, mom and daddy, you know, just kind of struggling a little bit and shit like that, being on a fixed income. So that's always dope uh, that the, um, you know, OPS does that. And there's also the Boys and Girls Clubs all throughout the city. Um, there's always open gyms going on, you know, with like the Adam Center, the Florence Center. So I used to live there as a teen. Um, my mama used to just do everything she could, you know, to keep me from, you know, hanging out on the Ave and shit like that. And, you know, it, sometimes you would be there, you know, kicking it a little bit and shit like that. But then, you know, I just I just would go hoop because you just seen so many people get their ass whooped, um, you know, them gang sweeps. You know, I remember I used to stay off of 37th and work right behind uh, King Elementary where the pool is. And um, we used to be hooping out in front of my house all the fucking time, all the time hooping. You know, uh, niggas from the Ave would come down and hoop. And uh, I remember there would be sometimes some of them Crips come down there be drinking Christian Brothers hooping, trying to get us to sit with them. We're like, nah, man, that's going to dry you out. And lo and behold, we have a couple of games of either 21 or we playing the 15. We playing like three on three in front of the house because it was a dead end street. So we used to hoop in the middle of the street. Like we pulled my hoop to the end of the driveway and we'd be having some battles, boy, for like 
man, sun up to sundown, but, you know, they just be walking through, ain't got shit to do, you know, smoking a blunt or some shit like that, and they got some drink in they cup, like I said, Christian Brothers, and, you know, and I remember, uh, it was one nigga passed out, and we thought we was gonna have to call the, uh, goddamn ambulance, and he was just like, nah, I just need another drink, and we was like, nah, man, you can't, you don't need another drink of that brandy, you know what I'm saying, you need to hit this water hose, that's what you need to do, but, you know, cuz just, just got up, and staggered off you know what i'm saying but but what scared me the most was just seeing them big ass g unit members kicking indoors all it up and down the block and i was just like you know i don't want them problems these motherfuckers be out here with a goddamn you know two pistols on their hip holding a machine gun ski mask on full tactical vest and they roll up and they used to hop out in suburbans back then them black on black suburbans and them crown vicks they used to just hop out of them unmarked cars looking like goddamn navy seals and that was just scared the shit out of me and i seen a couple of shootouts and i was just like nah this shit ain't for me so you know i walked through the ave to hit uh Beffer market and it, it's j and j now and you know i just you know what up oh that's the that's the little that's the little hooping nigga you know what i'm saying and you know i say what up and keep that shit pushing but man that just you know them them rec centers really helped me out and uh you know just my people talking sense into me and just you know being on my back and shit like that and you know and then also just trying to be a role model to my little brother and shit like that so you just kind of feel that responsibility just to kind of go that right way you know what i'm saying so just shout out you know to uh principal akbar cook and uh you know all the staff at west side high because that's dope as fuck but anyways um let's move on what the fuck is going on in dc black folks i need y'all to talk to me help me uh know what's going on because it looks like uh these colonizers are in y'all area just cutting up and acting a plum fool now a few weeks ago uh the first thing um that was happening was uh you know folks was trying to shit on um excuse me go-go music uh from that metro pcs store uh the brother donald campbell owns that store and he he owns it and he's been uh, bumping music for over 20 years at that same location but now some they moved they uh, built a nice um what was it uh, a nice apartment complex down there and uh it's in the shaw area and then the neighbors start complaining about this man playing music outside of his store so then metro pcs stepped in and just like yo cuz been here you know over 20 years he's still gonna play his music and there's protests and all this other shit and it's just wild just seeing all these noise complaints and it's that's what just gentrification looks like it just you know it's just boom we like this area okay let's uh let's go ahead and just take over the shit right so you had people out here hooting and hollering and you know protesting and uh, bumping that go-go music and shit like that and uh luckily the brother still you know can play his music outside the store like i couldn't imagine owning your property and you just got music playing outside of your store it ain't even blaring it's just playing but neighbors are complaining about it you know all of a sudden you just come in you know some some rich folks just come in in a new apartment complex and just like it's too loud turn it off we don't want to hear it and it's just like yo for real you know what i'm saying and so i say that 
to say this. Did y'all see what's going on with Howard now? This is in DC also, right? So you got these same, you know, uh, haughty toddy colonizers coming in and they're just literally walking their dogs on campus, just walking it through the yard and, you know, letting their dogs just shit, you know, in the yard not giving a fuck using it as their own little facility to walk their dogs and jog have picnics and shit like that at a hbcu at howard one of the most prestigious hbcus right and then you know the local news station there was uh was interviewing folks and one guy let me see his name his name is sean grubbs robichaud this big old white dude with a viking beard bald head he said had the audacity to say so they're in part of they're in part of dc so they have to work within dc if they don't want to be within dc and he's speaking about howard uh then they can move the campus i think we need to i think we just need to work together i don't think it should be a he or there or here it's our community and that's how it should be so this this man this bald head white man with the viking beard somebody looked up his ig page and he got his whole asshole out on there ass just popped up in the air and he's on here talking about they can move the campus of howard because of folks complaining about dog walkers and dog shit you know just walking through the yard and just disrespecting the campus now howard has been there since what 1867 something like that well over what 150 years like the audacity to be like you know what my corgi can go anywhere the fuck she pleases so move the campus this is times like this um where i feel like black folks could really benefit from having like a mob you know like a mafia like a black mafia just to do some dirty work you know what i'm saying you know how just to stop some gentrification you know if you ever see some you see some vacant lots and shit like that and then you see a group of developers walking through with like the mayor or something like that you know that mod could come in and you know just let some shots off in the air just to let you know it ain't that safe over here you know or you know just standing on the corner next to a vacant lot you know why those developers are coming over into the area and you know just smoking a blunt just standing right next to the site you know smoking a blunt and shit like that and then you know throwing a brick through a window of a nice uh a nice apartment complex you know what i'm saying so if they start getting the shit up that's how you stop it right but who am i kidding that ain't gonna happen because how gentrification always works uh they always send law enforcement in first uh, i saw that happen firsthand uh in the leavenworth area over here in omaha so um i used to live in some apartment complexes called the drake course they're, they're very nice um uh, but they were right next to an area called crack alley right so you just had swerves hookers i already think i already told the story um, and this was back in 2009 so 10 years ago I was living over there so I was 25 24-25 and yeah and it was still bad but you kind of started seeing uh, that wave come in so basically you could be coming home from work it'd be like 
maybe 10, 11 hookers, you know, on Leavenworth, just flagging down cars and shit like that, or hanging out in front of liquor stores, you have a bunch of drunk Sudanese cats out there um, buying pussy and stuff like that, and then you would have just straight up meth heads and crackheads out in Crack Alley, right? And uh, but my apartment complex, it was like gated, secure garage and shit like that. Um, so, I, but I mean, I'm a man of the people, so that shit don't scare me. Never has, um, never will. And I remember, probably about two years, I lived down there a couple years, and I remember in like 2011, because this, so this is right before I got homeless. So yeah, this is right 2011. Um, well, about a year. Yeah, because in 2011, I think I was sleeping in my truck. But anyways, um, so I'm trying to remember. I think it was about 2011, you started to see these massive, massive sweeps. Like, they would just, like, you would see these, these massive sweeps of cops just coming in and just rounding all these hookers up, rounding up the pimps, rounding up the drunks rounding up the uh, meth heads the crackheads, the ice users just rounding them all up and then you just didn't see them no more right because usually you know a couple of hookers get locked up boom they out on the street a couple days later but you just stopped seeing them it was just a constant wave it was always a sweep just boom 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 and that's how it starts they start getting them so-called riffraff about the streets and then we start seeing these development signs coming up. It's just like coming soon this, and coming soon that. And then all of a sudden, next thing you know, it's just like boom, you just got these these rich upper middle class, these rich and upper middle class, you know, late 20 something, early 30 somethings coming in and these uh these used to be abandoned uh apartment buildings that got gutted out and all this money invested in it and man that's just really how it starts it's just that wave just 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 them wave of cops just come in and just start just sweeping sweeping or or another way that it happens is they start building apartment complexes far away from the gentrification site and they start funneling the poor into those apartments you know telling them that oh yeah this is a nice area blah 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 and it's sort of like a switch that's what we're seeing in omaha right now you're seeing poor folks being funneled out west and you're seeing the east side of the city is starting to grow and turn into um where normally poor folks would be at it's starting to turn into you know there's affluent neighborhoods that's what i'll say right so they they try to sell it as like a mixed income neighborhood and shit like that but the poor folks you know really can't afford it you know it's always some crazy outrageous deposit or two months rent or something like that and they you know it's just something that poor folks can't afford but they're like oh it's mixed income and all this other bullshit which is a goddamn lie right so that's just basically how it works but my people in dc y'all got to get it together um that article that was talking about the uh go-go shit there's some uh, it was like as the city grows you know the district of columbia has experienced the highest intensity of gentrification of any any city in the nation and this was by a study by the national community uh, reinvestment coalition and this study also found that about 20,000 African-American residents were displaced in the city from 2000 and two, 
between 2000 and 2013. So according to the Washington Post, Shaw's demographics shifted from 70% black in 1970 to just 30% in 2010. Know how crazy that is? That's, that's what, 40 years? And man, you just dropped 40%. So every year, what, 10% every year? God damn, that is crazy. That is crazy. So how do you stop gentrification? I think you got to really, um, you know, take our brother uh, Nipsey Hussle's, um, you know, you got to take his uh, blueprint and, you know, just buy back the block. I mean, Rick Ross talks about that, too. You see him, he out here owning checkers and wing stops, car washes and shit like that. That's just how it goes. And, you know, a lot of times we react when it's too late. You know, right now there's a bunch of abandoned buildings, you know, on the northeast side of the city. And people really got to jump on that and start uh, buying those properties because you know what's going to happen. Uh, because since they're revamping the northeast side of the city, especially down along uh, North 30th Street uh, by Lake, between Lake and Ames Avenue. So they revamping all that shit. Um, so they're going to move them people about the projects down there off of uh, 30th and Bedford. And... Um, you know uh get them up out the paint they really they either gonna move them somewhere or they said they could stay and it'll be mixed income housing i'm like i'll believe it when i see it um but there's so many just vacant buildings uh vacant lots just for sale and we really have to jump on that and if you don't have the money for it that's when you start pooling your resources together and look at your inner circle and be like yo we need to, you know, put our money together, come up with, you know, maybe five to ten thousand dollars because a lot ain't that much. I'm going to tell you that right now. If you come with, you know, five to ten thousand dollars in capital, you know, and the money that y'all save, you can definitely get a small, small loan from a bank to uh, purchase that lot. And you know what's going to happen when that when, you know, that development starts in that area, that lot you know you bought it for you know seventy eighty thousand dollars you know that shit gonna go up you know maybe double triple quadruple you know what i'm saying you know some big company gonna come in and be like hey uh can we buy this and blah blah blah, blah. you know shit like that and that's when you hold the power you know do you flip it or do you continue to sit on that gold mine you know what i'm saying and so that's just one of the things that you really have to realize because there's so many vacant buildings just sitting around on the north side and that's what's going to happen to them goddamn buildings. You know, some some developers going to come in here and just see the boom of these. It's always, you know, the late 20s, early 30-somethings who, you know, the, who's making a certain amount, you know, north of $50,000 a year who about to come in here and just be like, hey, I like this area. You know, there's so much flavor you know, this is where the heart of the city is, you know, they come in and, you know, and just, man, smut that shit out, you know what I'm saying, and, and then in fucking 30, 40 years, then they'll go back out west, because they don't, you know, they're tired of the urban living, you know what I'm saying, so, it's just something to think about, um, you know, we really, there's opportunities there, there's really opportunities there, so I would say, pull your money together, work on your credit, um, you know, get that credit score up in the late 600s, you know, to the late 700s, you know, that's when you can start getting a decent loan at a decent interest rate, especially if it's in the, you know, if you like in the 670, 680 range. But once you start cracking them 700s, you know, you'll get a very, very good loan. 
you know what I'm saying, to try to get all that bad shit, either dropped off your credit report or, you know, pay off that shit and, you know, have that, uh, the, um, the, uh, account holders who hold the debt have them take that shit off your account you know what i'm saying but um that has been it for that good old summer damn jam screen so i'm gonna leave it to my man hove hove what you gotta say don't be the next get tested on that summer jam screen i smoke rocks i smoke rocks all right thank you so much tyrone biggums for that lovely intro of selling hope like dope so selling hope like dope we have to give it to the city of uh omaha uh just because uh there was a city council hearing um yesterday at the city council meeting uh you know a lot of omahans lined up to uh listen to mean gene our mayor um talk about uh the proposed uh trash collection proposal um that she had and so there's a um so there's a contract on the line because waste management uh omaha i guess is done with it um the past few years waste management has struggled or death and ball uh has struggled with uh you know picking up the yard waste in the trash and recycling and things like that it's just because motherfuckers be quitting left and right you know once it gets hot out so or in the extreme temperatures in the cold too so there's a $22.7 million contract with a group called FCC Environmental. So basically how it works now in the city, you can have as much trash, you know, as you, I guess, please, out on the curb. Um, you know, clear bags, they want you to put it in clear and white bags, but they do take black bags. And then the yard waste is separate. Um, you know, the sticks uh, have to be uh, bundled in twine. Um, you know, the paper yard bags, you can have as many as you want out there. And they come grab it. And then, um, let me see what else. In the recycling, we have these little uh, green bins, which I, I agree that those need to be bigger um, as far as recycling goes. Because me and the wife, it's just us two. We fill that goddamn thing up. Our trash day is on Friday. We fill that little thing up probably by Tuesday or Wednesday. It's already filled up with cardboard and plastic bottles, you know, because a lot of times I'll, I'll run through them, uh, them Gatorade Zeros and then them, uh, what's that other brand? What's them uh, body armors because, I, you know, I take like two, three of them joints to work and then I bring the bottles home and throw them in the recycling bin. Um, so under this proposal, there will be, you would have two 96 gallon trash cans, trash carts or whatever. One would be for yard and, uh, waste together. So they gonna mix that up. And then the other one will be for recyclables. Now I, I like the idea of having a 96 gallon can for recyclables. I like that a lot, but here's where the issue comes at hand for most Omaha folks. And my take is a little bit different. Um, so under the the mayor proposed this you know with fcc environmental she said that uh, you know residents would have the option of paying 91 dollars a year for an additional yard waste bin so another uh recycling bin or i mean another 96 gallon trash can or this is what's fucked up you can purchase stickers to place on you know those brown paper bag and waste bags for $1.98 per bag per bag. So let's just round that up to two dollars. So one guy gets on there and talks about how he fills up five 30-gallon cans and about 70 yard bags over a two-week time. And he's talking about he don't think he should have to pay to have those done. 
And here's the here's the kicker though. Y'all know I used to do trash, and that's when I fell in love with commercial driving, and that's why I'm a truck driver now because I love that freedom and being on the road all the time. Um, so with the yard waste and the regular waste, so how it works now is you know it's no co-mingling, so they don't put that shit together at all. And uh, I know some days if it's real heavy, they'll just mix all that shit up and won't even take it to the uh, mulching place. So there's a place down in Bellevue um, that basically breaks down all of those bags and your yard waste and they turn it into mulch and then they sell that mulch. The city sells it. So there's a like a there's like a, um, you know, a, a green recycling plant down there that basically just they turn that shit into mulch and then they pretty much just sell it back to you you know so they collecting it and then boom turning all them twigs and you know that dirt and that grass the leaves and you know burning down the um the paper bag and turning all that shit into mulch and then selling it for cheap back to the omaha residents so that's basically so it was it was pretty much a hustle right so now um and you could put out as much as you want. And me, I live on an acre, and my property's on an acre, and I have eight or nine trees. I think it's nine trees. And when I fill up, just when I do like, I break it up into sections. So I'll do like half of the front yard one day, then another half the next day. So I break it up in fourth. So two in the front, two in the back. So a fourth of that acre, I probably fill up mm, maybe 13 to 15 bags. And then all together, if I do half of it, so it's about, it might be about 25 to 30 bags outside if I don't use the leaf eater. So the leaf eater is basically a tool that you, you just dump your leaves in there and then it, it just, you know, shreds them down smaller so then you can um put more in the um in those paper bags so if i use that leaf eater i could probably get it down about 25 but it's it's a, it'd be about 30 bags just sitting out on my curb like in the fall when the leaves fall because as far as the grass goes i just leave that shit sitting you know i just feed it right back to the earth so i can't imagine paying two dollars per sticker per bag for 30 bags so that's 60 bucks right there and i man i told my wife we just gonna start a compost you know we just start a little compost area in, uh, in the backyard somewhere behind the shed behind the gardening shed or whatever because fuck that and i ain't gonna pay an extra 91 dollars a year to have a fucking uh extra trash can or some shit like that so everybody's mad about that but Waste management is a huge employer um, just for uh, brothers out there and sisters because there are women who get busy on them trash trucks too. Don't get, don't be fooled. Um, and not them butch ones either. It'd be some very feminine women getting busy driving and hanging on the back doing recycle too. Um, but it, it's a huge employer for men and women and especially for brothers who just came home from county or came about the estate pen because they do hire felons so you ain't doing shit but picking up trash right so this is my thing with those two 96 gallon trash cans 
the truck that's going to come by to pick up the 96 gallon cans is going to be one of those ones like you see with uh, out in the white flight areas where it just has the arm that just comes off the side grabs it dumps it and that's only that's a one-man job just the man got to drive the truck and he controls the arm right so now you have to wonder what's going to happen to them brothers who was hanging on the back of them trash trucks you know doing yard waste doing solid waste and doing recyclables like is it just going to be massive layoffs you know because a lot of times you know, a nigga catch a dope charge or, you know, some, uh, you know, or another or a DUI or some shit or driving you know, on a suspended license. His license got suspended because of child support or some shit like that. And, uh, you know, the nigga do a, a few months in jail or something and then, boom, he come home, fill out the app. I mean, it ain't a, a job that you want, you know, hanging on the back of that trash truck. That's some tough work because you're doing, you know, anywhere between 700 and 1,000 houses on your route. So you stopping, boom, hopping off the, the back of that truck, picking up, you know, 50, 60 pound cans, you know, if it's raining even more and dumping them shit, you get a full body workout and then you running up and down the street and shit like that. Boy, I used to be huffing and puffing, boy, but, you know, after like a month or two, you get that shit in your system, you just be ready to go. And the key is to stay hydrated no matter, no matter the weather. But, you know, it's one of those jobs where... You know, it ain't what you really want to do, but it keeps the lights on. You know what I'm saying? Because hanging on the back of that trash truck now, I think they're paying almost 15 bucks an hour. And that overtime is crazy, right? And then what the jig is, though, you know, a lot of times you, you stay on long enough. Because a lot of times dudes start quitting. Um, you know, a lot of brothers come home and just do that job for, you know, maybe, you know, three, four months or whatever. And, you know, some niggas, you know, stack their money, get back in the dope game. You know what I'm saying? Get them a few ounces. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and, you know, get back into flipping dope or, you know, doing whatever. So whatever kind of hand-to-hand hustle. And they use that as startup capital. But some dudes, they take that shit and they run with it. Like the, um, the OG JB. Um, this brother... You know, did his thing, did his, did his, did some time. This is a brother from he down in Florida, and I used to work with him. He used to be up here in Omaha on uh, something called the Green Team, and he would, uh, he would just be telling me stories, you know, just about how he used to be living and shit like that. And then he came home from the joint, and uh, yeah, he got on, you know, just, you know, being a helper. That's what they call him, hanging on the back of the trash truck. And, you know, you hang around enough time, shit, they train you to get your CDL, you know what I'm saying? And then once you get that CDL, you start getting paid. That Class A, you start getting, like, like, you start making some real money driving them trash trucks. And so that's what a lot of brothers do. If you hold on long enough, maybe about a year, year and a half, then your supervisor will be like, well, you want to start training for this, that, and the third? And they'll be like, hell yes. And they'll train you and have you get your commercial license. And what the jig is, another jig that you get that commercial license is not bouncing and, you know, going somewhere else and, you know, making more money. You could do that. But uh, the jig is to try to get a commercial route. So commercial route, you just doing businesses and like apartment complexes. And you stay in the truck the whole time, just dumping dumpsters. That's it. That's why it'd be so many old ass dudes staying on them routes. Cause they done been on the goddamn route, you know, shit, 15, 20, 30 years. You know what I'm saying? They fucking 65, 70 years old, still mobbing on a trash truck. You know what I'm saying? Cause it's just easy money. And once you get to that point, shit, you bringing home 80, 90, some even bringing home six figures.
and so um that's that's my main worry with this proposal because the city council and i think the mayor they agree on not keeping deaf and ball slash waste management employed so i'm just worried about what's gonna happen with those brothers who actually stay on and you know provide for their family because there's a lot of good dudes who, who just made a mistake you know and so waste management um slash deaf and ball they don't you know they don't judge you or nothing like that it's just boom come on we just looking for some hard workers that's it and you stay on long enough we're gonna train you to get your class a and uh you know you could be out here driving and doing your thing and there's so many brothers down there good dudes who got their commercial driver's license so they gonna be okay you know uh hanging on like that but i'm just worried about the helpers you know what i'm saying the brothers down there you know grinding getting their pain and child support taking care of their babies you know keeping a roof over their head and you know staying good with their probation officers so that's that's what i worry about because it's a, it's a huge employer especially here on the north side you know what i'm saying like i said brothers come home you know from doing a bid you know maybe doing a few months in county or something like that and and lo and behold you know they jump on the back of that trash truck and you know four or five months into it well shit three months into it they already got a spot i haven't seen that story many a times only did the trash thing for a year but you know you've seen so many dudes come in there and you know just be kind of down on their luck and i'm just like Yo, you just gotta stay with this shit this shit is easy after like a month month and a half you get this shit down how to move these cans and shit like that and how to fling them back up on the curb respectfully and shit like that and a lot of dudes stay with it and then you shit two three months into it hey yo ab i got a spot i'm like hey that's what's up you know what i'm saying you see so many success stories like that you know uh or a dude who was getting the bus you know down there in the mornings you know what i'm saying or uh getting his homeboy to drop him off in the mornings you know two three months later he pulling up in something clean you know what i'm saying driving down there and got him a spot you know because all that overtime money and you get paid weekly too so it ain't so you don't be doing too bad so you know a lot of times you get on the job sometimes you gotta wait three weeks before you get that paycheck and you be struggling like a motherfucker but shit as soon as you start at uh, waste management you get paid that next week you know what i'm saying it's just, it's just you know you're working for that week boom that next friday hit you got shit you got eight nine hundred dollars in your pocket after taxes you know what i'm saying so that's that's a good look right there so you know that's that's just what i worry about it's just you know so many good dudes are probably gonna lose their jobs but i mean maybe they can get on at the recycling plant or some shit like that um over there off of uh, i street um i don't know i don't know i don't know what's gonna happen to them brothers but that's what's just sad to me like i mean i know i'm complaining about spending 60 dollars on some goddamn you know stickers and shit like that but just seeing them brothers lose that job though you just see so many good dudes just come up like that you know what i'm saying but i guess i'm ranting a little too much um but yeah the city of omaha is really out here selling hope like dope ain't really thinking about employees they just kind of thinking about the taxpayers which is understandable but shit it has to be something we can do and there's there's other contracts on the table so we'll see what happens this portion of do rags and boat shoes has been brought to you by the letter l as in hey yo my guy my hands are full give me a hand here can you hold this l all right so moving on to holding this l i have to give it to um a couple of sexist businesses out here i'm not talking about like hooters or twin peaks or anything like that i'm talking about a couple of businesses i've been seeing while i've been on the road on my route i've been wanting to talk about this for a minute uh there's a couple of like 
it you you can't tell if these guys are selling a business or selling dick. Uh, there's one called uh, uh, Bearded Builders, and that's uh, that I think that's exclusively out of uh, the Omaha metropolitan area here. Uh, and these guys drive around in these uh, these vans that has like a huge beard on it and uh, stuff like that. And I and I checked out their website because I saw it. And I was like, what the fuck is this? And, you know, I, I have a beard and. I, you know, I don't go around, you know, like, oh, you can't grow a beard, you know. And they and they have their, their jobs on here and stuff that they've done and the services and, you know, their portfolio and, you know, testimonials. Then they got something called Beard Truth. And it's just nothing but memes. It's like, men don't cry, they water their beards. And it was like, the reasons I don't shave. I don't own a razor. I don't want to own a razor. Shaving hides my beard. I love my beard. Guys who shave don't look right to me. Seriously, they're like big girly aliens. Shaving cream on your face, really? Time and money, I prefer to say both. I'm a man, men don't shave. And it's just, I'm just like, eh, eh. I mean, on the low, it just sounds like you, you selling dick. Like, it really does. <laughs> like, it really does. Like. It's just like, oh, so what if you, you know, want to shave your beard? You know, I do that sometimes to let my skin breathe. Like, would I get fired if I was hired? You know, if I was on the team? That's just stuff that I want to know. Like, how long does my beard have to grow? Do I have to be like a grizzly bear like I am in the wintertime? Like, in the winter, like, I'm just out here looking like Moses. You know what I'm saying? But it's like okay do i have to do that all year round because it gets pretty hot no it gets hot in the summer and it gets hot having that man scarf on your face you know what i'm saying so i do trim it down sometimes i shave it so i'm just trying to figure out like if i if i shave or trim it down do i get fired do i get rode up you know what if i get in some ingrown hairs you know that's pretty bad because i fucked around and instead of using a single blade my black ass used one of them gillette you know 19 blade razors you know what i'm saying that just shaves so goddamn close okay what happens then you just fire me all together like i'm just trying to figure some things out and then there's another business out in these streets and this really sound like you know they slinging dope uh slinging i'm about to say slinging dope slinging dick it's called uh college hunks hauling junk and I saw this when I was at uh, I was at my truck stop fueling up with death, which is diesel exhaust fluid, and uh, that just makes your uh, your exhaust burn a little bit cleaner, so the black smoke don't be coming out, you know, that soot and all that other shit. And so I'm filling up, and I just see this this van, well, not a van, but like a you know a box frame truck, kind of similar to mine, but a little bit smaller. And it said college hunks hauling junk, and it was these two younger guys. Uh, hopped out and they went in to pay for their uh, diesel uh, you know their diesel fuel and I'm just thinking to myself I'm like hmm could my old ass be a college hunk like I look young but I'm actually 35 right so I'm like Does, can I actually be a college hunk hauling junk could I be the 35 year old uh, married father of four you know who decided to go to night school because he's tired of you know being middle management you know at his job and he wants to step up and be like the actual you know department manager you know can i be a community college hunk hauling junk can i i mean i got a dad bod but 
you know, I'm still going to community college. Will that work? Like, do I have to be a college hunk? Like, how come I can't just be like a working man who goes to night school? Can I be that? I'm just trying to figure some things out. But it's one of those things where I'm just like, these are very odd, but I guess they just let them slide. So I'm just trying to figure out, do older guys work for, you know, college junk, college hunks, hauling junk, or can you shave your beard at the Bearded Builders? I know this is kind of light for Hold This L, but it's just something I've been pondering for a very long time because I see these, uh, these trucks all over the city, the west side of the city, and I'm seeing them, you know, daytime when I'm, you know, when most folks are at work, that's when I'm running my route too, you know. And I'm just thinking, are they out here dropping dick off or are they dropping off some services? It just seems very sexual. I'm just trying to look out for the fellas who are working and got their ladies at home, you know, or the ladies who are at work and their fellas at home. Or, you know, we have to cover all bases. So, uh, you know, the gay brothers who are at work and they got their at home spouse who works from home or the lesbian ladies you know who you know got a bisexual woman at home who want a hankering for some pipe on the side like are they dropping dick off are we going to see them in an indictment that's what i'm trying to figure out and i'm getting ready to bust out laughing so we're going to stop this right here so uh both of these businesses can hold this air you win perfect <laughs> All right, moving on to not all heroes wear capes. Um, we have to give it to, uh, before I give it to this sister, uh, let's shout out to Bun B for defending his home from an intruder. He let some rounds off at uh, somebody who was trying to steal his wife's car or some shit like that. So uh, I just saw that on TMZ. It just got, I got the alert on my phone. So hopefully that brother's all right. So shout out to him for uh, defending you know his his kingdom that's what you need to do so shout out to bun hopefully you know feds don't try to wrap him up in some bullshit hopefully they treat him like a white man using the second amendment using his second amendment rights but um not all heroes wear capes we have to give it to uh the author of uh, they were her property uh, stephanie e jones um she wrote this book about um white uh white women slave owners and uh it's and she made this book she wrote this book um i listened to it and i'm actually gonna purchase it when i get paid friday because i want to see her references and i know one of them was um a book that i already have um which uh basically a group in the 30s late 20s early 30s interviewed um uh slaves former slaves uh former enslaved people i should say um and these people were like in their late 80s up into their 90s um if they could have document their age so a lot of times you know before the emancipation proclamation kicked in in uh 65 1865 um <clears throat> these people were uh you know like teens they were like teenagers at the time so uh so there's a book that i have and i i forgot the name of it but i'll put it in the show notes um that i have and it's just interviews of just these people and it's, it's some fascinating stories I, I got it at half price books so i got it for like 
like six seven bucks but i think it's up on amazon for probably triple that so about 20 some dollars but it's worth it and uh it's fascinating because they start telling you about how slaves uh enslaved people were actually revolting and you know they, a lot of folks didn't take that shit that whipping and uh you know getting beaten shit by an overseer they said a lot of times uh you know the men would be killing them uh them overseers and shit like that and some of them recounts uh, uh of the stories and so um let me let me go ahead and pull up my notes on here because i always take notes of a of a um a book that i listen to i always try to retain that information because it's easy to listen to a, or to hear a book an audio book but to actually listen takes a lot of focus so when i get when i'm at a i listen to a lot of books on my route when i'm on the road and if it's something interesting and fascinating i'll go ahead and jot it down on my phone if i'm at the lights or i'm at one of my stores before i you know start delivering and shit like that but um it was saying that in this book uh, white women were usually gifted slaves from parents uh, rather than land. They gave like if they had a boy and a girl, they would uh, uh, um, rich slave owners would give uh, the girl uh, female slaves, uh, women slaves because they were worth more because they could have offspring. And they would give the sons um, a land and a few slaves like men. And what was crazy is um, they had like written legal documents that said that the enslaved people were theirs and theirs only. So meaning that like if a daughter got married, um, uh, she would, you know, uh, the parents would either give them to her for her birthday or like if she got married, but they would have to have legal documentation saying that those enslaved people were hers and hers only because um, a lot of times, um, some of these husbands you know these white men would try to marry up meaning that they would try to marry into a higher class and a lot of these men would be lying and saying that they um they would come from out of town and uh say that you know say they would go from you know uh mississippi to alabama to find a, a rich uh single white woman who had a couple of slaves had a few slaves and they would lie to the parents and to her saying oh i got a plantation back in uh mississippi that's you know uh you know shit a thousand acres and i got you know 40 slaves working for me and shit like that when well, fact of the matter is that person uh, that white man would actually be like an overseer on a plantation that big you see what i'm saying and then shit he already got her he already got her signed legal documents and shit like that he'd have married up and uh, then he would try to you know use her uh her enslaved people try to sell a couple off and then try to buy a few acres and then you know with the remaining enslaved people you know try to use them to cultivate that land and uh make a profit and shit like that so they would write up sort of like of um like a prenup or something so it was like a legal document saying that these enslaved people only belong to this white woman and i thought that was just like fascinating um and a lot of times it was also because like i said dusty ass white men would try to marry up and then if they they would try to sell them or a lot of these uh dusty ass white men would be in debt they would be heavy in debt <clears throat> and uh creditors would come and if they were married they would attempt to take the um the uh the slaves that the white woman owned and uh to pay off the husband's debt 
and so that's why they had to have that legal legal documentation um let's see here and then on top of that uh white women besides having that legal documentation they had to go to court uh if like a, a creditor was coming after them so they had to go to court to prove that them slaves were only hers and she had to print in the local newspaper that she owned those slaves and not uh her husband her husband didn't own them because creditors you know so creditors would not you know take quote unquote their property to enslaved folks you know due to a husband's debt so that was crazy so they had to go through all that had to have that legal documentation then if a creditor attempted to uh take them you know take uh the enslaved people to sell them off you know then they had to go to court and then uh they would have to print out an ad in the goddamn newspaper saying hey i own you know um tyrone i own uh queenie and shit like that you know these are solely my property and shit like that then they had something fascinating uh called wet nurses so wet nurses they were enslaved women that nursed white children due to white women not being either able to nurse properly or which was the main cause which was this one with vanity reasons so like breasts dropping and sagging and shit like that so in some but in some white societies though it was kind of frowned upon you know it's taboo to have a wet nurse because they thought the um so-called low iq of the uh black women enslaved black women would transfer to the white child you know through the black woman's breast milk so what a lot of white women did um you know in those societies they would hide their wet nurse you know they would hide her like if they had company come over and shit like that and then um what was also they don't talk about is that white women could actually purchase slaves themselves but how they had to purchase them sometimes they would have female only um, slave auctions where white women could come in and you know pick out their enslaved people but most of the time if it was just like a regular one um, uh, auction block or some shit um, white women had to have like a male representative you know at the slave auction according to state law so it just varies state to state and then um, what was also fascinating too is uh once you know the white men started raping them uh them female enslaved uh the enslaved females and enslaved women um you know they would have mulatto offsprings and shit like that and um a lot of times um husbands would go out to you know buy enslaved uh people and they would be trying to buy them enslaved mulattoes or whatever right the mixed race um enslaved people and uh you know, a lot of times, them white women would make them husbands go right back to the auction block or to the auctioneer and take them back or just force them to sell them off because they were, um, because of their their attractiveness, so-called attractiveness. And uh, so the mistresses were very jealous of mulatto women, very jealous of like the fair skin, light brights, red bones, yellow bones, whatever you want to call them. And then they started talking about, um, later on um let me see here so then they started getting into so then they so after they after the, the sister broke this down um uh she she goes into talking about like towards the end where the civil war was happening and she broke down some game on about the, the union soldiers and she said a lot of times 
um, you know, black folks would be running, racing towards their freedom, towards a union camp, you know, somewhere in the South. And those Union soldiers would return enslaved people right back to their plantation. They'd be like, oh, so where did you come from? And they would be like, oh, from such and such plantation. And they would return them right back to their plantation. And in the beginning, them uh, Union soldiers, they raped, killed, and sold enslaved people that escaped and sought asylum in those federal encampments. Ain't that, ain't that some shit? And so that's why I really want to get the book um, to look at, you know, her references and stuff like that so I can actually get those books myself and add to my collection. So I thought that was fascinating, especially in this time where, um, you know, black folks are seeking reparations. And I just feel like a lot of times, you know, you're going to see some 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 white folks kind of piggyback and be like, well, my uncle, my great, 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 great grand uncle or some shit like that was in the Union Army or something like that. And uh, I just found that that was just so fascinating to me. Like, I couldn't imagine the hope that you had escaping the plantation. Because once um, black folks knew that the Civil War was going on, they started skating off them, them plantations, just, just fucking walking off. Just boom, I'm out of here. I'm out of here. I'm out of here. And I heard uh, there was one story. There was a, uh, this was an Irish woman who was a slave owner. She had red hair. Um, she was talking about they were talking about this was in the beginning of the book and or no it might have been towards the end i can't remember but she basic they saw they said a lot of slave owners like during the civil war if they had enough money they would go to different countries and they would take them enslaved people with them and buy like land and have them cultivate that land and then once it started thriving once they sold them first crops then they would free them people in a foreign land like down in Cuba and shit like that or the Caribbean so different or down in Mexico too that was a big one too I thought that was fascinating and it said that um there was that that Irish woman she carried what, two pistols on her or some shit like that and she hired uh some slave hunters to find the freed black folks who worked on her plantation, who were enslaved on her plantation, and she forced them to cultivate her land in a new area. Um, and then she let them go after like a year or two. I was like, that's fucked up. You know, you escape, think you're going to your freedom, then some slave hunters catch you, and you gotta go back to hell working for this person. But just thinking about, you know, our ancestors just running off of plantations and you know going to these federal encampments thinking shit is all good okay this is the union army and all this other shit just to have the motherfuckers either uh rape the women kill the men or or sell them back or put them on an auction block because technically slavery wasn't illegal yet because the union hadn't won the war so i just thought that was just just fascinating and it was shocking i think i brought that you know that you know five to ten minutes of reading i probably bought that back about three four times just to hear and make sure i heard what i heard correctly and then um in missouri maryland delaware and kentucky they actually remained loyal to the union so the enslaved people there remained enslaved and uh the emancipation proclamation originally only freed slaves in the confederate states Ain't that crazy? 
That is wild as fuck. So Mizzou, Maryland, Delaware, and Kentucky, they all remain loyal to the, the to the Union. So Abe Lincoln was just like, oh, you can keep your slaves. You know what I'm saying? Because they stayed loyal to the Union. But the original, originally, the Emancipation Proclamation only freed slaves in Confederate states. And then... What was crazy even after the war, some slave owners were compensated for their freedom, uh, for the freedom of their slaves uh, with the Emancipation Proclamation. So in Washington, D.C., about 40 percent of the slave owners who got compensated were women. That's crazy. And that that and there were even, you know, um, nuns that owned enslaved people they were talking about i forgot what church it was but it was a group of nuns who had some enslaved folks so fuck quite jesus that's on everything that i love and then what was fucked up after uh slavery was banned um those white slave owners in the south and confederate states and then once once the emancipation proclamation just spread and it was just like okay just you got to let everybody go then states started passing what they call apprenticeship laws that's now this is even more fucked up so they would free the parents but the kids will still will still have to stay on the plantation and the parents would have to try to fight and go to court to get them back and they told the story of one union soldier uh, uh a brother who was enslaved he would and then he turned into a union soldier and he went back and uh to get his son or his, to, to get his son and his daughter i believe and this was all documented and he actually had to go to court and the woman was trying to the slave owning woman was trying to say that uh they called them mistresses the uh the slave owning women were called mistresses so she was talking about it. he couldn't take care of the kids and things like that and then the court actually found in uh the union soldiers uh favor which was shocking to me so uh so but but they had these uh, uh these apprenticeship laws so slave owners would keep free children till 21 for the males and 18 age 18 for the females now that's fucked up that is fucked up and then what was um then there were some stories at the end uh, you know, once, you know, the dust settled and everything and the Emancipation Proclamation went out, you know, for all, you know, slave owners and things like that. Um, they were talking about how uh, black folks, Africans, you know, um, well, black folks who were now African-American, like whatever you want to call it. But black folks didn't want to harm whites um, because they believed God made them suffer by losing their property and their wealth. A lot of people went poor. Um, once the government stopped, you know, passing out reparations and reimbursing these, uh, these slave owners. And then um, uh, they told the story of one mistress. She went back to her own, her, her old enslaved people, people who she formerly had enslaved. And she went back to them, you know, asking them for money and shit like that because she was hurting so bad. And then, it, then she actually ended up starting a business by making clothes for black folks that's crazy and uh it said there was a lot of stories um that said that former enslaved uh people would give food and money to their former slave masters because they were so poor and had nothing to sell or any real working skills so it is a fascinating book and it was and it's called they were her property 
and it's uh, written by the sister Stephanie E. Jones Rogers, and y'all really should read it. It's called They Were Her Property, and there's so many fascinating stories in there, and I'm going to put the link in the bio for that book that I have that's, uh, that talks about these different slave narratives, because this... It, it just talks about I wish I would have brought it down to this to my office um, to because I got a bunch of highlighted portions where it just talks about um, you know so many different resistances that went on and that we don't even fucking talk about at all but salute to this sister Stephanie E. Jones Rogers and her book they were her property all right so moving on to health over wealth you know what i say without your health you cannot enjoy your wealth so we're going to talk a little bit about mastery all right and this quote comes from tony robbins and it says one reason so few of us achieve what we truly want is that we never direct our focus we never concentrate our power most people dabble their way through life never deciding to master anything in particular so your goal right now as you're listening to this and it goes off and the music fades out i want you to figure out something that you want to be just the man the woman the being you know just being the master of something what talent what skill do you want to master and just be the best at figure that out that's what i want y'all to do just sit no phone no laptop no tablet no phone on no tv on no playstation on nothing just sit and think what could i master because everybody has a god-given skill i want you to figure out what that is and master it all right so forget what i just said what is your god-given skill master it once you master it you're gonna end up being paid for it all right and you know hard work beats talent when talent does not work hard so you figure out that god-given skill which is a talent um work at it because somebody else will try to outwork you just remember that all right so this has been episode 154 of do rags and boat shoes sorry for the wait it's just been a lot going on here and um you know what i will see y'all next week or I might do an episode this weekend. I don't know. We'll see. But it, it's going to be, you ain't going to have to wait three weeks for another one. I can promise you that. All right? Nothing but love and respect to all y'all. One. <laughs>